All right, so we're a couple weeks into a series called Playlist, where we've been looking at songs that are not Christian songs. And we're seeing like what inside of these songs they get right and what inside of these songs they get wrong. Because what I've noticed is there's a lot of songs that are not Christian songs that have some like really deep spiritual truth buried in them. Matter of fact, I really feel like a lot of Christian or a lot of songs that are not Christian express like the longings and the desires of the human heart better than a lot of Christian songs do. Now they don't know what to do with the desires or, or where to put them. Uh, but they seem to be able to more eloquently express those desires. Uh, so the song we're looking at this week is a song by Pink called What About Us? What About Us? So uh, before we jump into that, would you, would you pray with me? Jesus, uh, thank you for this church. I thank you for uh, what you've already started to do this morning. Uh, I pray that your spirit would be here, Lord, um, that we would be ready to hear from you. And uh, that we would take just one step closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. See if I remember how to do this. I want to read some things to you. It's a little list. And when I first start reading the list, you're not going to know what it is. And then when I get about halfway through, most of you will know what it is. And then when I get all the way through, you all should know what it is. So let me know like when you figure it out. Um, chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. Happy days are here again. Peace and prosperity. A time for greatness. It's morning in America again. Read my lips. No new taxes. Anybody? Yeah? Am I not doing this? I broke it. Read my lips, no new taxes. It broke the machine. This is what I get for preaching on this. I knew it. I knew the moment this happened. Okay, I'll read them to you while this is going crazy. A kinder, gentler nation. Put, putting people first. Change we can believe in. Make America great again. That one's huge. Huge. Okay. There are, you got it? You know what these are now? So this, this is basically, what I just gave you is a, a sampling of winning presidential campaign slogans from about the past hundred years or so. Uh, my favorite one is the chicken in a, every pot and a, hey, you got it. Whatever you just did was awesome. You fixed it. Thank you, Jonathan. You have the magic touch. Can I? Okay, good. Yeah, we'll leave that one out for a while. Um, so... Chicken in every pot, car in every garage. I think we should go back to that, really. It was during the Great Depression, by the way, so that's why that was kind of a big deal back then. But contained in every single one of these short little pithy sayings um, is a promise, right? There's a promise made. Promises made to the people they were elected to serve and to lead. Now, look at the chorus to the song that Tara just sung for us. What about us? What about all the times you said you had the answers? What about us? What about all the broken happy ever afters? What about us? What about all the plans that ended in disaster? What about love? What about trust? What about us? So Pink has a complaint, right? The leadership of this world claims to have answers. The leadership of this world promises happily ever afters. The leadership of this world has all kinds of plans. 
But those answers, those happily ever afters, those plans hardly ever turn out the way they were promised. And the common people kind of seem to be forgotten. What about us? The decisions made in powerful places seem to be made for the good of the powerful. And the common people are left to fend for themselves. She also recognizes in the song that the world is jacked up, that something's wrong. Elsewhere in the song she says this, we are problems that want to be solved. We are children that need to be loved. We were willing, we came when you called, but man, you fooled us. Enough is enough. She recognizes there's something inside of us that needs to be fixed. There's a deep desire in every human heart to be loved. We have this base level sense that something's wrong with the world. Everybody gets that. Nobody confuses uh, this earth for heaven, right? We all understand there's something off here. And so often the politicians, the leaders, the governments claim to have solutions to these things and they let us down. You almost get a sense of betrayal in the song, you know? She expected these world leaders to fulfill their promises, to solve these problems, to make life better. And they didn't. They fooled us. They fooled us. So I want to start off by agreeing with Pink. I really do feel like the people in the highest positions of power tend to make decisions to keep themselves in positions of power. Uh, they tend to make decisions that are best for them. And, and I know that's not true of all of them. Uh, so, like, so let me make that disclaimer. I know that's not true of every politician, but it seems that the higher up you go, the more true that is. Uh, and it seems pretty epidemic. And so I agree with her complaint. And I also agree with her desire for a better world. Uh, longing for a world that has answers, that has happily ever afters, that has plans that don't end in disaster. That's a good longing. I believe God put that longing in every single one of us for, for something better than what is. But here's the deal. I think you can make two mistakes when it comes to how you think about government, okay? The first mistake is the mistake that Pink is making in this song. Uh, the second mistake is the one that I make when I think about government. Uh, and they are two very far away from each other extremes. So we'll get to my mistake here in a minute. Let's first look at Pink's mistake in this song. I really, while I really do believe that her complaints about the, like, the government and the world powers are valid, where she goes wrong is, is in her assumption that she makes before she makes the complaint. My question to Pink is, why did you put your hope in the government to begin with? <laughs> Why did you expect answers from world leaders? Why did you expect the source of your happily ever after to be fulfilled in campaign promises? Why did you expect plans that worked to come from political figures? Why did you put your hope in government? What I'm saying is, if she hadn't put her hope in government, she wouldn't have felt let down or betrayed. If she hadn't had these high expectations of what the governmental systems of the world could do, she wouldn't have been disappointed. The mistake Pink makes is putting her hope in the governmental systems of the world. So let me explain why I think that. You hear people these days arguing about what type of government is best, uh, what type of economic system is best. You know, Some people say capitalism is best, right? Yay, free market, that's American. Um, and then other people will say, no, 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 there's all kinds of problems with capitalism. You know, there's this corporate greed, you know, you got to deal with that. So what we need is more socialism. We need to stick this way. And then some people, they're really extreme. They want to go all the way to communism. Um, and then, I mean, I just saw, I was just on Twitter uh, this week and it was like a, a Twitter feed a mile long, people arguing over capitalism and socialism. It was crazy. And both sides were accusing the other side of being completely evil and stupid. And it was, is just nuts. 
So you got that kind of argument. Then in our country, some people say, you know, the real problem is that this two-party system. If we had a couple more parties, it would, it would kind of even things out. We wouldn't have to just choose between these two, uh, and that would fix things. But here's the problem with all of these arguments. No matter what system you go with, there has to be humans in the system that run the system. <laughs> Government is made up of people, right? To a certain extent, it does not matter what system you choose, there will be humans running the system. And here's the problem with humans. I gotta show you the problem with humans. Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single person in political power is a sinner. Every single one. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says this, not a single person on this earth is always good and never sins. Every single person in political power has moments of weakness, has moments where they choose to do the selfish thing, have moments where they don't choose to do the right thing. Every single one. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Every single person in political power has a heart that is not pure. <laughs> it is deceitful and wicked. So what I'm saying is no matter what system you pick to run the world, there are sinful human beings running the system. And so, so what I'm telling you is I, I, I don't believe that we by and large have system problems. We have people problems. I think the way our country runs is pretty genius. You know, the whole separation of powers, the legislative, judicial, executive branch, mostly capitalistic economic system with a little bit of socialism sprinkled in here and there. I, th I think it's good. I think it's genius. But humans run it. Humans run it. And every human is sinful. Every human has a heart <laughs> that lies to them. You know, you're surprised when they lie to you, but their heart lies to them. So basically what our country is, is a group of sinful people running a governmental system, ruling a group of, a bigger group of sinful people, right? That's what every single country is on the planet. That's what government is, a group of sinful people leading and ruling over a group of sinful people. That's what it is. So my message to Pink would be, <laughs> what did you expect? What did you expect? If that's what it is, what did you expect? Why were you putting your hope there? Psalm 39, seven says this, and so Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. So if you put your hope in government, you're, you're putting your hope in the wrong place. Don't be surprised when you get let down. I believe many times people are let down by government because they're asking the government to do what only God can do. They're asking the government to be their provider, their protector, when that position is God's position, not the government's. So I hope you knew that already that the core of our, our problems with this world are not like governmental system problems, they're heart problems. That's the real problem with our world. We aren't gonna see utopia this side of heaven. Doesn't matter what system you pick, doesn't matter who gets elected, doesn't matter which party's in power, doesn't matter, you're not gonna see it. So I hope you were not placing your hope in government and expecting a lot out of it. Here's the thing though, I'm guessing you don't. I, I don't think there's... Uh, there might be one like glossy-eyed person in this room who's like, oh, government's gonna solve everything. I, I, maybe one, but, but no more than that. My guess is you're a lot closer to where I am. I am way over on the opposite side of the spectrum. So, so I wanna admit to you where I'm at with government. So if Pink's over here putting her hope in the government, feeling betrayed by the government, um, I'm gonna admit to you where I'm at with government and I'm saying the word admit because I'm not saying this is right. Uh, I'm just being honest about where I am most of the time when it comes to government. Um, the word I would use to most closely describe how I feel about government 
is apathetic. <laughs> I want you to know, officially, my parents didn't raise me that way. Uh, they would stand up and be like, we didn't, we didn't teach them that. If my government teacher from high school was here, he'd flip out because apathetic was basically a cuss word to him. Uh, so I know, I know that's not right, um, but that's how I feel most of the time. You know, I'm just really close to not caring. I'm tired of voting for the lesser of two evils. <laughs> I'm tired of feeling like there really isn't that big of a difference between the two anyways. I'm tired of wondering which corporation is paying off who to get what done. I'm tired of it being super obvious of what should get done, but Congress Congress won't do anything because of political reasons. I'm tired of public servants acting like anything but servants. I'm really tempted to say, you know what, screw it. Y'all can have the thing. Jesus is still king. And maybe if you screw this thing up faster, he'll come back quicker. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm at, okay? I really am. I kind of want to just go, okay, come on back, come on. Like, let's do this. But that's not the right attitude to have. I'm just telling you where I'm at. That's not, that's not what it is. So Pink's putting all her hope in government. I put on like almost none. I don't even want to care about it at all. Um, so, so neither one of these extremes is right. Uh, we can't be apathetic. We can't put our hope in government. What, what should we do? How should we think and interact uh, with our country? So here's Pink's solution. I don't know if you caught it in the song. She says this, sticks and stones, they may break these bones, but then I'll be ready. Are you ready? It's the start of us waking up. Come on, are you ready? I'll be ready. I don't want control. I want to let go. Are you ready? I'll be ready. Because now's the time to let them know we are ready what about us? So if you look, like, I don't know, some of this is kind of cryptic. I don't know what in the world she's talking about with the sticks and stones things, maybe feeling like the, the promises that were made, you know, hurt. Um, but she seems to be generally pushing for some kind of revolution, right? Are you ready? There's a sense of expectation that something's going to happen, you know? She points that she doesn't want control, though. You know, I don't want control. I just want to let go, which is a weird thing to say. That's kind of relinquishing responsibility. You know, you guys are doing a terrible job. Okay, well, you lead that. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, you know. Um, you're still terrible, though. She's ha- she says it's time to let them know. You know, like the people in power are gonna get a message of sorts. Again, very revolutionary type of language. But here's the thing. As Christians, since we don't put our hope in government, this kind of a revolution that she's pushing here, we're not really that interested in. Because if you have sinful people in powers of position, uh, in powerful positions and in imperfect systems, if you tear all that down and pull those people out, all you have to do is, your only option is to put more sinful people in another imperfect system. It's not that interesting to change. Um, so that's one reason. Another reason why, so check this out. Jesus is on trial to be put to death, right? Remember this story? Kind of an important one. He's talking with a government official, a powerful government official, one who has the power to kill him or release him. Guy's name's Pilate, and uh, they're having this really crazy interaction, and Pilate's asking Jesus all kinds of questions, and Jesus is like not defending himself. Jesus is kind of letting Pilate uh, grill him and, and letting these accusations be made against him, and he's not answering him. And Pilate's like really confused by this. Pilate's like, dude, don't you know I have the power to kill you? Like, what are you doing? And then Pilate's like, aren't you a king? Aren't you a king? That's what they're saying. And here's what Jesus says in, in John 18, 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. I love it when Jesus talks like this. I mean, (laughs) 
He's talking to this guy who absolutely has the power to execute him. And, and he looks Pilate in the eye and says, man, if I wanted to start a revolution, I'd have done it already, dude. I mean, that's a pretty bold thing to say to the man who's deciding whether or not to kill you. I love Jesus. He's always in control, always in control. And, and if, though, Jesus wanted to start a, an earthly revolution of sorts, this is kind of the time to do it. You know, he's hours away from being executed. You should probably give the orders to your followers to do something at this point if this is what you're going to do, Jesus. Tell him to strike. But it, instead he says this. He speaks of a kingdom. He spoke of a kingdom like this his entire ministry. Not a physical kingdom. Not a revolution with swords and torches. Not a system that will rule men with laws and armies, but a spiritual kingdom. A kingdom that will lay over top of the physical kingdoms of this world. A kingdom that will infiltrate and influence the kingdoms of the world. A kingdom that won't use armies, won't use laws to change things, but that will use the power of God. A kingdom whose purpose is to heal and change the hearts of men. You see, Jesus' kingdom is not designed to manage a sinful world. That's not what Jesus is interested in. His kingdom is designed to transform this world from the inside out. So he's calling his followers to fight, not a physical battle, but a spiritual one. C.S. Lewis said it this way, enemy-occupied territory, that is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how a rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Jesus is calling us to almost a guerrilla warfare type of kingdom building. He didn't take up his crown when he came down here, even though he fully deserved it. He took up a cross, and Jesus set about the slow, hard work of changing the hearts of the men and the women he interacted with. And then when he went to heaven, he delegated that task to us. Philippians 3.20 says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. So when you become a Christian, uh, like your citizenship kind of changes. We see now in this verse that our allegiance is in heaven. Uh, we are Christians first and Americans second, okay? Our first loyalty is to Jesus, which, which if you read this verse by itself, you kind of you want to tick the way I am, right? You want to you go over here, maybe back over to the, well, well forget you, America, who cares? I'm not, in, you know, I'm, I'm, my citizenship is in heaven, do whatever you want. You might be tempted to push this way when you read a verse like this. But hold on, Jesus had some other stuff to say about this. Matthew 5, starting verse 13, he says this, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it lost its flavor? How can it, you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot and is worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So Jesus here says that our role in the world is to be a salt and a light. Salt gives flavor. Salt preserves things, right? This world is decaying and we're called to slow that decay and in some places reverse that decay. Light warms and brings uh, things visible that are otherwise would not be visible. And that's supposed to be our role. This world is supposed to be better because we're in it. We cannot be apathetic. We cannot throw our hands in the air and allow the world to go to hell in a handbasket. We are called to engage. 
So it's probably better to think of it as dual citizenship, um, where our heavenly citizenship rules over our citizenship of this country. And it should make us better citizens, by the way. So let me just give you some some bullet points of, of how we should think about this dual citizenship. You are both a citizen of heaven and a citizen of this country. First thing that this is gonna like tell us to do is to obey the laws of the land. We obey the laws of the land so far as they don't violate biblical convictions. We are to obey the laws of this country. Titus 3.1 says this, remind the believers to submit to government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Not everybody's favorite verse, but it's still there, Right? Um, We're called to obey the laws of the country we live on. So long as the laws of the country do not tell us to do something that God tells us not to do, we do. We we should be known for being law-abiding citizens. Christians should not be uh, the people out there breaking laws. You know what I'm saying? Like that that should not be the thing we're known for. Unless it's something that the Bible says to not do. But overall, we should obey the laws of the land. Second thing I believe that our dual citizenship tells us to do is to vote, man. Um... We do have an amazing privilege in this country to be allowed to speak into the people who are put in power and into the laws that are instituted. And our collective Christian voice should flavor the system that we're allowed to speak into. So uh, you should vote. By the way, I preach this purposely at a time where it doesn't like matter that much. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not trying to preach it on election year or like in November or anything like that because I didn't want y'all to think I have an agenda and I really don't. Um, by the way, I also have a little, another side note, a little secret. Um, like, don't assume that whatever political party you adhere to is the Christian one. Because my secret is, neither one are. Just, just so you know. Do your research. Like, really, really think this stuff through. Like, think critically about it. Um, vote the best you can based on biblical convictions. Like, like really try to live this out. Live this out. Um, and and don't, don't just turn your brain off and buy everything that they're selling. Uh, so, so that's the second thing. And then the, the third thing that our dual citizenship means um, is that we should disagree agreeably. Titus 3.2 says this, uh, they must not slander anyone and, must not, and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. What if, what if when it came to these like controversial political subjects, Christians were known for being the most civil what if Christians were known for being the best listeners? What if when we used our voice, we did it in a respectful and tactful way? What if we brought a gentleness and a humility to these discussions where those two things are never present? What if we rejected the tendency in our society to be outraged about everything? What if we rejected the idea that the loudest and most cleverly snarky comment wins? <laughs> what if we tried to really understand what the other side thought? Really understand where they're coming from? Instead of just waiting for them to shut up for us to make our points, what if we really tried to have some empathy for what the way they think and where they're at? Disagree agreeably. That, that's going to speak loud. See, see, do you know you can, be, you can be right the wrong way? You know what I'm saying? And I think, I think a lot of times Christians make that mistake. You think I'm right so I can say whatever I want, I can say it however I want, but that's not true. This is true. Don't slander. Don't try to avoid quarreling. Like you should be gentle. You should be humble. It's okay to be right and be humble. Like that's a really important thing. How we say what we say, how we use our voice is almost more important than what we say. We really have to watch this one. I think our dual citizenship demands this, demands this. Fourth thing, be a person of honor. 
Our dual citizenship uh, demands that we are people of honor. And, and the way I want you to think about this is to treat people better than they deserve in your life. What if that was like your operating system in your life? As you interacted with people in your home, at work, on the road, at the grocery store, wherever, you always strove to treat people better than they deserve. What, was that? what if that was like your goal? I know you're not going to do it perfect, and I know it's going to be really hard sometimes, but man, what if that's the way you decided to live your life? I'm going to always try and treat somebody better than they deserve. Do you realize like you could change the Walmart checkout person's day? You could change it. You could. If you just like look them in the eye and ask them how they're doing and actually listen to the answer and, and say please and say thank you and treat them with dignity and honor and like a human being, like you know that changes everything, right? I mean, I literally had this happen to me like just a couple weeks ago. This lady looked like she had a dark cloud hanging over and she was in the speedy checkout line, which I get is probably the worst one to be in and because people don't listen to the stupid number and if I were her, I'd lose my mind. Um, but she was just like, when I asked her how she was doing, she didn't even like acknowledge that the question was asked because I think she's so used to just being treated like a machine. And, and I really like, I almost like bent down like, hey, how you doing? And, and like everything changed. Like you could tell like her whole demeanor went from like, I'm not even here to, oh my gosh, she's treating me like I'm an actual person. And it was a really big deal. And I know what you're thinking. Well, they're slow. So what? They are slow. Treat them with dignity and honor anyways, you know? Like, yeah, your citizenship in this country demands that you act like a jerk because they're slow and because it's taking forever, but your citizenship in heaven demands something else. Treat them better than they deserve. And that's true of, it's true of, and use Walmart as my example all the time, but that's true of anywhere you go. People that don't get treated the way uh, a human should be treated, should, we should be the ones who give them that dignity and that honor. Treat people better than they deserve. And the last one, last one. Dual citizenship means we share the gospel. We share the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. This is a really important verse. It tells us always to be ready to explain our hope. And our hope is not in the government, right? But in God. Our hope is in the cross. Our hope, if you are a Christian, your hope is in the fact that God loved you so much that he died on the cross in your place for your sin and gave you his righteousness, his goodness. That is where your hope is. This verse says, be ready to explain that to anybody who might ask. I think people always act like the scariest part of this verse is the be ready to explain it part, right? I don't know enough. And like, what if they ask me questions and I don't know? That's not the scariest part of this verse. You know what the scariest part of this verse is? The fact that no one ever asks. That's the scariest part. If someone asks, be ready. Well, that's cool. Nobody, nobody ever asks me because I don't live in such a way that would cause them to. I don't live in such a way that my hope is obvious. And what does that say about our hope? If nobody ever asks us, this says that um, it, it, it seems to imply that they're going to. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, be ready to explain it. Well, what does that say about our hope then? If they're not asking, what does that say about the way we're living? What does that say about uh, whether or not we are salt and light in this world? So I want to ask you, are you living in such a way that you get asked about what's different about you? When everyone else freaks out, you stay calm because you trust God. When everyone else is complaining, you stay positive because you're a citizen of heaven. You're not just a citizen of earth. When everyone else is gossiping, you walk away because you are the salt and the light of this world. 
When someone is down, you encourage them. When someone screws up, you give them grace. You are different than the rest of the world. You are salt, you are light, you are an ambassador from heaven. And then, when they notice, be ready to give an answer of what it is that is different about you, why you're not freaking out, why you don't get negative, why you don't gossip, why for some reason you're always so stinking encouraging. Have a reason. Yeah, it's because I serve God. It's because I, 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 like, I belong here, but I don't belong here. Like this, this, this God, he's done something for my, for my life, for my heart, and I'm, I'm different now. Be ready to explain that to somebody. So, what about us? <laughs> I'm not asking that question to the government. I'm not. I signed up for guerrilla warfare kingdom building. I signed up to be the salt and the light of this world, and I don't have any expectations over here. So, so listen, don't despair when the country goes downhill, all right? It's going to. <laughs> Things are going to get a whole lot worse before the end. That's what the Bible says. Um, now, that should not stop us from building Jesus' kingdom. It, it just doesn't matter. I mean, think about this. Jesus came to earth under Roman rule. Rome was a barbaric and merciless empire, and Jesus transformed it from the inside out. Christianity flourished under a pagan, godless government. The kingdom Jesus came to build spread like wildfire. It did not matter. It did not matter. I think the same is true for us. As the country continues to change, as Christianity continues to be pushed to the side, it doesn't matter. We still do what we do. That's the kind of uh, culture that Christianity was born in. It's the kind of culture that we are turning into. That's fine. We're, We're okay. We keep building because we're not, we don't fight that way anyways. John Piper said this, the movement that Jesus Christ unleashed in the world when he died and rose again does not depend on qualified human government for his existence or power. You can take that to the bank. We don't need it. We don't need it. So, salt, light, engage, be different, and have an answer as to why you are. Let's pray.